too want to thank Dan for inviting me. Thank you, bro. And uh, also, let's give it up for Bill Church. Got me? All right. Um, I also want to thank all of you for taking a Saturday time to invest and to come on out here. Um, I'm, I, I remember the first time I met Dan Hyun. It was right down the street in a so-called uh, Latin American restaurant. <laughs> um, and uh, we, 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 had, we, had, we had our time together, and we just were just some struggling brothers together and uh, trying to learn this thing and do it all together. And so it's been a good time. Um, we would be amiss not to recognize that um, the things that are going on in our, not only in our communities, our zip codes, our, our over 200 communities here in Baltimore, our city, state, nation, and our world. And so I would like to lead us in a word of prayer before we get started. Lord, in, in the word of God, you take um, ground very seriously because you created the earth. And when you created the earth, you never created it to receive blood. You never created the earth so that blood would be shed and fall upon it. But yet we know that Post-fall, Abel's blood cried out to you from the ground. And God, we are sorry. We ask you to forgive us corporately as a race made in your image, fallen in Adam for the millions of lives and the blood that has been shed throughout history. And God, we need your mercy. We are convinced that we cannot save ourselves. We can't do it, God. We, we need you. And so we repent of self-sufficiency. We repent of our ideologies. We repent of any strategy that is devoid of you. We repent of any pride or any thought, even in the deepest crevices of our hearts, that somehow, some way, if you would just give us a little push, we could figure this out. God, we confess as a group of people this morning that the words of your sons, that without you, we can do nothing. And so, God, we ask for mercy, we ask for comfort, we ask for grace, we ask for courage, we ask for wisdom. We pray for the rulers of this world that they would bow the knee and that they would seek you and sit before you and read your scriptures and be filled up with the fullness of God and be guided and directed by the spirit of the living God and not their parties and not their politics and not money and not power and not, not anything demonic. And oh God, as we turn our eyes this morning for our causes... We pray that you'd mend up the brokenhearted. We pray for France as a country. And we pray for mercy and healing. 
God, we pray for the billions of Muslims who are scared to death. We pray for those who are planning to kill more. You know where they're at right now. Those who are scheming for more stuff like this. God, you are in the business of saving terrorists. And we want to pray that you would save them. God, right now. We don't need them saved tomorrow. We need them saved now. We ask that some wake up this morning or wherever they're at today, that you, Holy Spirit, would come upon them and you would grant them repentance and eyes to see and a change of heart and just an incredible love for you, Lord Jesus, that would make them walk out of any ideology in any party in any group devoted to murderous intent. And we do it not so that we would be spared, so that they would be spared. Your word says that Jesus has come into the world to save sinners. And you saved Saul of Tarsus, who was a terrorist and a murderer of Christians. God, we need you to save more Sauls of Tarsus. We need you to save more souls of Tarsus. We know your hand is mighty and your grace is strong and you're omnipotent and your mercy runs deep and your love is like the oceans able to, to swallow up the greatest and most maniacal of sinners. God, we, we cry out collectively this morning. Would you do it in our zip codes and in our cities and in our states and all around this nation and in this world? And now may we hear from your spirit through the word. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. The Ethnox Conference on the website says, has a simple and yet profound purpose. The purpose is to equip the local church to love others as ourselves as we follow Jesus together on mission. The Ethnoth Conference says that with our current state of social unrest, cultural reconciliation and unity may be the greatest evidence of our Christian faith. And so there's an invitation this morning on behalf of the Ethnoth Conference to engage one another in this great hope for the people of God. So this morning what I've chosen to do is to give you a theology of Ethnos. And if you would be merciful to me and gracious to me as I unpack this, I've been thinking about this. I ask you to begin to think redemptively uh, from a historical perspective in regards to the 66 books and what they would say about this idea of multiculturalism. What they would say in terms of a theology. And we must be reminded that when we fell, we just didn't hurt our flesh. We just didn't introduce disease into the world. But our psychology fell as well. It might be argued that the greatest problem with humanity is not necessarily our hands that shed the blood, but the heart that motivates the hands to shed the blood. It might be argued that the heart gets instructions from the head. So if the head is fallen, we're in deep trouble. We have a sinful psychology, and that is why God gave us a book and not a movie. We have a sinful psychology. That's why God gave us precepts and truths and stories to attack the mind, to transform the mind, to reorient the mind, to challenge the mind, to re-engage the mind. And so, we believe when it comes to the issue of Ethnos, that there is one race with many ethnicities, and we reject any other factious, 
ideology that would come from any other place. One race, many ethnicities loving one another as we fulfill the Great Commission. We believe God created Adam. We believe from Adam comes every single human being that's ever lived. We don't believe that somewhere according to Interstellar or somewhere according to the new Mimi Mars, which is the bomb, by the way, y'all check that out. But, you know, Matt Damon's my dude, but he still needs to get back to them borns. Quit messing with all the space stuff. Just saying. So, so, but what we believe is from, we believe that everybody here's daddy is Adam. And what we believe is out of Adam, we all came. Yet we believe that in that, that oneness comes this, this diversity. And, and, and we're not here to just to exist. We were created and, 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 and brought here for a purpose so that we might love one another and fulfill the Great Commission. In Proverbs it says, as a man thinks, so he is. So theology matters. What you think matters. And ideology matters. And we saw that last night in France. Ideology actually matters. We believe the following. That according to Genesis chapter 1, everyone bears the image of God. That's what we believe. God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Whenever the Bible repeats itself, it's because you're stupid. And so am I. Because, I mean, it's God, right? He doesn't need to, like, do rhetorical nonsense. If God's repeating something, it's because we're all stupid. And we need to hear it more than once. So, in two verses, he repeats over and over and over, in the image of God, he made them. Why does he have to do that? Because Moses wrote post-fall. Moses wrote as a slave in an Egyptian superpower. Moses wrote in the midst and the existence of racism, and he needed to communicate the fact that even the Jew who was born in slavery and having their babies systematically murdered and were diminished in their humanity were made in the image of God, and so were the Egyptians. The Bible teaches emphatically that every single human being is an image bearer. And the Bible teaches your image bearingness begins at conception. I know it's not popular, but some of the most popular things are the most demonic things. So I stand with the minority and I stand on God's side, not the pro-choice side and not all these other sides, God's side, but I stand on God's side when the scriptures say this in Genesis 5.1. When God created mankind, He made them in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them and named them mankind. And Genesis 9, 6, it says, Whoever sheds human blood, this is post-flood, thousands of people back on the earth, Noahic covenant, whoever sheds human blood, by humans shall their blood be shed, for in the image of God He has made mankind. So everybody's an image bearer. This has a profundity, a profundity that I think we, 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 we miss a lot. Because last night, if those guys who were shooting each other 
really believed they were shooting image bearers, they probably wouldn't have shot them. But they didn't believe they were shooting in people made in God's image. Trust me. They might have believed they were shooting French people, poor people, Muslims, but they didn't believe that. We believe that every single person is an image bearer. Profound impact. I'm going to visit, revisit this in a few minutes. But secondly, what we believe is we all come from Adam. We believe that we're from, we're all part of one race. I personally have gotten out of the habit of using the term races because I don't think it's biblically correct. It's not theologically correct. Races implies that there are different types of human beings. The devil would love to encourage us to believe that there are different types of human beings. Matter of fact, that is the foundation of racism. I was thinking as I was showering, and I have stupid thoughts in the shower. And I was thinking, imagine the sharks all swimming in the ocean. You know, the thousands of species of sharks. And imagine the great white shark coming to the thresher shark and the following conversation. The thresher says to the great white, yo, you don't have a tail like mine. See how my joints all curved and I can go blat out, blat out, blat out, blat out like that. So, you know, you're not a shark. And then the great white goes, dude, I jump out of the water and take seals down the town. What are you talking about? I'm like Jaws, food. They didn't make a movie after you. They made a movie after me. I'm the shark. We'd go, dudes, chill out. You're both sharks. You have different functions, but you're both sharks. You're sharks. That's your species. Listen to Acts chapter 17, verse 24. The God who made the world and everything in it is Lord of heaven and earth, Acts 17, 24, and does not live in temples built by human hands. He is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. What a statement. But then he says this in verse 26. From one man he made all the nations. This is what the Bible say, Doc. This is what it says. The Bible preaches, the Bible theologizes, the Bible says that we're all made in God's image and that we're all a part of one race. It's called the human race. There is no subspecies of humanity. Some people think that if you are only 15 days old, you are not human. Some people think that if you have Alzheimer's dementia, you ain't human. Some people think that if you're black and your pants are sagging, you ain't human. Some people think that if you've got a burqa, you ain't human. Some people think that if you're rich, you're not human. Some people think that if you're of this tribe, you're not human. The Bible says that every single person that's sucking air is human. That's what the Bible says. In the words of the matrix, irrevocably human. That's what we are. We are human. The theology says it. All made in God's image and we are one. And the scripture says that he made all these nations that, that, that inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and boundaries of the land so that they would seek God and perhaps find him. So when God looks from heavens and sees diversity and flavor more than 31, right? When he sees flavor, he does not see different humans. He sees humans amidst diversity. 
You got to get this because the seeds of racism and divisions always start with different and different leads to deficient. Hitler articulated this the exact opposite. He believed that the Aryan race was a superior species of humanity. Therefore, all other races should be subjected and some should be eliminated. And I'm pretty sure that nobody wants to be on Hitler's team or sit in Hitler's theological class. But the Bible says more than just that. Some of you are familiar with the Great Commission, but maybe you've never thought about the Great Commission in the light of ethnos. I want to read the Great Commission to you again and just get you to think about something. The Bible says, and Jesus told his disciples, by the way, when the 11 were on the mountain, and this is something, I was raised by Jews, so I go hard and all that. And some of you know that we have a new Jewish initiative and we're going to reach Jews because we got the third most populated uh, geographical area of Jews are right here. And we just ignore Jews and we're all missional and ain't nobody reaching Jews, so we need to repent. But that's my little sidebar. Okay, but check this out. Jesus told the Great Commission to the Jews, not the Southern Baptists, not the Presbyterians, not the Episcopalians. The only people that were sitting here were Jewish people. Now watch what he told the Jews. He said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. I own everything. Quit all the nonsense. Therefore, go and make disciples of who? All the nations. Jesus respected the fact that there was ethnic diversity, one race, ethnic diversity. He says, you as Jews need to go out into the nations. Now, the Jews, as we know, redemptive history, were like, we're not so hot on that. So we know in the book of Acts, they stayed in Jerusalem. Did they leave Jerusalem? Nah, it took persecution to make them scattered. Why? Because the Jews, like most of us, are fallen in our psychology and their theology had not been a a, a source of reorientation to the point that they began to look at Gentiles as actually human. Because the Gentiles were the Egyptians, they were the Assyrians, they were the Babylonians, the Greeks, and the Romans who had enslaved us and oppressed us and killed us and just exacted things out of us. How could they be human? Besides, they ain't got no prophets. Besides, they ain't got Moses. Besides, they ain't got oracles and ceremonies and temples. We are the Jews. And Jesus in the Great Commission does something Um, remarkable when he says, I want you to go to all the nations. I know there's diversity out there. I know there's different types of people and I want you to do to them what I've done to do. I want you to baptize them and I want you to do that in the name of the father, son, and the Holy spirit, just like he did with us. And I want you to teach them to obey everything I have told you. You know, in the book of revelation, we have some tremendous pictures of how this all ends. And it's interesting in Revelation 5, 9, theologically speaking about ethnos theology, it says, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God, you purchased for God, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. He does it. He says persons because they're irrevocably what? They're irrevocably What? Human, but they're humans from every tribe, every language, people, and nation. One race with diversity. It's very important. In Revelation chapter 7, 
There is a repeated theme of this picture that in glory, he says, after this I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation and tribe and people and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And they were all wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands and they cried out in a loud voice. This is the oneness and the diversity. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. You've got this flavor of ethnicity, but you've got the oneness represented in salvation. And so what the Bible says is that we're all made in God's image. We all belong to one race. And the Bible says that everyone can be saved and everybody from every tribe, tongue, and people should be saved, which is why we go. We go. Time would fail us if we went to other places in the scriptures theologically. You remember when Jesus met the, the, the Samaritan woman? What did she say to Jesus when he said, give me a drink? Remember, what did she say? What did she say? Remember? What did she say? She didn't say, hey, you look weird. She said, you are a Jew. I want you to think about something theologically. When Jesus incarnated, he probably wasn't what you got on your wall. Because I'm going to tell you something right now, Doc. Tell me if I'm lying, Doc. He ain't Jewish on the wall, is he, Doc? He ain't Jewish in the cradle, Doc. And he ain't Jewish on the cross, Doc. He's Christian, right? He's Anglo-Christian, right? You know what I'm saying? And I like to say he looks a little French. Suave, pretty boyish. I don't know what he looked like, you know? African-Americans are like, he was black. And the whites are like, he's white if he was black. And it's all this nonsense. All I know is this. Jesus said he was a Jew. Because later on in that, he said, you Samaritans worship what you do not know. Ooh, that was politically incorrect. No, Jesus recognized the ethnicity and the cultural perspectives and preferences of Samaritans. He recognized that they were Jews and Gentiles mixed. They were mixed. He said, but you guys worship what you don't know. But he said, salvation is of what? The Jews. It comes from us. And he claimed himself to be a Jew. So think about this. Just think about this. When Jesus came to do God's will and he incarnated, culturally, values, he did God's will as a Jew. The American church needs to repent of all that. And that's a whole nother conference. Whole nother conference. Slide, slide, push that side, slide over there. Okay. That's he did it as a Jew. Remember Paul's missiological commitment. Paul says he becomes all things to all people to win some. And if you think Paul was playing, come up into that derby joint. And Paul walks up in there, sees some cats up in the mix, reading the scriptures, gathering. And he says, yo, Tim Dog, yo, you coming with me? Yeah, let's roll out, Paul. And he goes, yo, dog. Now I'm saying like, like we don't go to the Jews, man. The first thing they're going to ask is you circumcise. And I know you, 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 you irrevocably human, but you mixed. So we got to deal with that joint because I got to go to these Jews. And so we got to get you cut up, bro. <laughs> Dang, dude, you that serious? You're that serious about ethnic diversity? You're that serious about, listen, not marginalizing the Jews? You're that serious? I'm that serious. But yo, Timothy, if we wait 2,000 years, dog, I could go in and get the breathing thing and fall out, you know what I'm saying? Inpatient, outpatient, John Hopkins, be and then it won't hardly be any pain. Take some prescriptions and all that stuff, Jack. I'd be good. Nah, dude, we're here now. Go get cut. 
That's how serious Paul was for this. Paul was serious, just like his Lord, in recognizing ethnic diversity, but oneness. You do not lose your humanity by embracing your ethnicity. You do not lose any elements of humanity by embracing your ethnicity. As a matter of fact, your ethnicity exegetes the glory of God in your humanity. The Bible says we're one. But we have diversities. But our diversity does not make us subhuman, partly human, differently human. We are fully human. Probably the most misunderstood text in my mind in regards to this issue, I'm going to say this and get out of your way, is in Galatians chapter 3. Because someone's going to say, well, doesn't it say in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 26, so in Christ Jesus, you're all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ Jesus have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. This is why you have to do proper exegesis, because people take this and they're real sloppy with this verse. The context of the book of Galatians is not racial reconciliation in 2015 because of Freddie Gray. Sorry, it's just not. The context of the book of Galatians is that you have people, predominantly Judaizers, who still believe that you need Jesus plus the law to be saved. So that if you're not a Jew, you're at a significant disadvantage. So much so that the Jews uh, that were in the church were saying, do not, the Gentiles have to not only believe in Jesus, but also be circumcised and keep the law to be saved. And the new covenant promise is that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified. But God justifies us by faith. And so Paul has a whole soteriological argument in Romans chapter 3 that builds from verse 1 all the way to verse 28. We say, therefore we conclude that a man is justified by what? Man, you guys are jacked up. You need to be saved. You need to be justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. My point is this. The Galatians 3 passage is predominantly dealing with a soteriological issue, a salvation issue. Are there ethical and cultural and ethnic uh, implications and applications because of this? Absolutely. Absolutely. What this verse is not teaching is that if you're Jewish this morning, now that you're in Christ, your Jewishness doesn't matter. Yes, it does. Paul circumcised Timothy. Paul went in the temples. Jesus, when he was on earth, didn't just roll up to the temple and says, oh, that's going to be destroyed. The heck with that. He actually kept the Sabbath. He fulfilled all those laws. The difference was he understood and he taught his apostles to teach the church that they don't save you. They're supposed to point you to the fact that you're a sinner and you're in need of a savior. Let me conclude with this. Num- uh, 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 I, I know I've hampered it. I, I've harped on this. So, so there's one race. Right? There's one race. I'm emphatic about this. Because I think once you begin down the trail of species, you're in some territory that I don't want to be in. There's one race. We're one. We are 
irrevocably human. Secondly, ethnicity does exegete the glory of God. God loves diversity. If you don't believe that, look around the room. If you don't believe that, try going outside without looking at this while you're walking. You might see diversity. If you don't believe that, look at the birds of the air. If you don't believe that, look at the trees and their colors. Look at the species of oceans. Look at the different planets and their colors and the sizes. He loves diversity. Ethnicity is a, is a portrait of God's diversity and it exegetes God's glory. And what we need to watch out for in ethnicity is majority culture calling things one when it's really just our way. You see, what the Bible says is that every ethnicity is respected. And you know how I know that? Because he told us to go to all the nations. The greatest blessing God has ever given this world is what? An economy? The internet? Jesus. Who is Jesus given for? God so loved the what? The world in which there are humans and many ethnicities. That's how I know God deeply respects the ethnicity. And the, and the Apostle Paul taught the early church that you should do whatever it takes to reach them. If it means you get circumcised, you get circumcised. It means you wear your burqa, you wear your burqa. Whatever it means, whatever, whatever it takes, you reach them. So ethnicity, ethnicity is a factor and a part of your humanity. Jesus was a Jew and identified himself as a Jew. And was unashamedly a Jew. Come to save the whole world and to do God's will in all of his Jewishness. Racism is an exaggeration or a diminishment of Imago Dei. Racism is an exaggeration or a diminishment of Omago Day. Racism says either I'm the best quote unquote race or I'm, I'm, I'm not really worthy. That's what racism does. It always diminishes. When I'm walking down the street of Baltimore and I see someone in a burqa, I immediately conclude they're a Muslim and I forget that they're, they're made in God's image. When I'm walking down the street in Baltimore and I see three African-American men walking towards me, I forget that they are made in God's image and I think stereotypes, crime, thugs, rape, robbery, or whatever I think. When I'm walking down in the, in the Baltimore that most of us consider to be fake Baltimore in a harbor and I'm walking past a guy in a suit and tie, I tend to think there is a privileged young yuppie punk who has a $300,000 condo and bicycles and probably with his latte on his way to his law firm. And what I have just done is demonic. It's just as demonic as what the KKK has done. Because what I've done is I've ripped away from him the fact that he's an image bearer in that zoot suit. He's an image bearer in those skinny jeans. He's an image bearer on that skateboard. He's an image bearer with those baggy jeans. He is irrevocably human. And anything other than that is demonic. Here's what God's saying this morning. He's saying, I made you. You, specifically, you. And you are 
unique. There is not another person like you. There never has been. There never will be. Your fingerprints is just one of many evidences of my personal investment in your mother's womb when I was up in that joint artistically weaving you together. I knew your name before your parents knew your name. I knew what your eyes would look like, your propensities, your passions, your values. You, God is saying to you as an individual, are irrevocably human and you are mine. And I love you. And I've demonstrated my love for you in Jesus. By coming to live a righteous life, which you can't live, and to die on the cross, which you don't want no part of, so that your greatest problem, that you got a lot of sins and no righteousness, would be resolved in the gospel. Because in the gospel, I invite you this morning, in the gospel, to come and get the righteousness of Christ by trusting in him. And I invite you this morning to take all your sins, past, present, and future, and lay them on the cross and have them absolved so that there could be no more condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And he's calling us together to recognize the value of the one amongst the ethnic diversity. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your wisdom. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your word. And thank you for your goodness. You deserve all the glory and the honor and the praise. God, please do whatever it takes to get our minds to think how you think and the way we should think. And forgive us for our error. And thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.